Well, hello, my name is Bertie Taphorn. This is the first ever Upper Arlington Lutheran Church podcast. I am here with my co-host and good friend, Andrea Taphorn. Yeah, hi. Hi, folks. I'm Andrea, and I uh, work for Upper Arlington Lutheran Church as well. I'm the director of children's ministry and just love this opportunity that Brody and I get to do this together. Turns out we're not actually just friends. We're married to each other. Uh, I am also the campus pastor for our Mill Run campus. And today we are going to be talking to our first guest, Greg Shad. Greg Shad is a the executive director of Crossroads Counseling Group. He got his education from uh, the Ohio State University. He has a master's of social work. He is also a licensed independent marriage and family therapist. Greg has been doing this work for 26 years, but also uh, served uh, as a youth minister uh, before he started his career as a counselor. Greg is a good friend of ours. He and his family, we've lived in the same neighborhood for 10 years together, and his kids babysat our kids when they were little. And every time that we have listened to Greg, he has always had really profound and wise words to share with us. So let's hear today what uh, Greg Shad thinks about grief. Greg, you are going to be talking with us today about grief. Why don't you let people know a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll get into it. Well, thanks, Brody and Andrea. It's great to be here. Uh, I've been a part of Upper Arlington Lutheran for 30-some years and came to Christ as a high school kid. I got dragged on to a stupid youth retreat, and my life hasn't been the same since. <laughs> that was a, a long time ago. And so in college, I helped out with the youth group here, and then I went off to be a youth director at another church for several years, and then came back after Stacy and I got married, and we have three kids in their early 20s, and uh, I've been doing uh, outpatient counseling and running a counseling practice for the last uh, 20, 20 or so years. Very good, very good. You know, Greg, we're gonna talk about grief here in a second, and I know that you and I, we have a common problem as it pertains to grief, and that is, um, our sons beat us in golf. So why don't you take a moment and... <laughs> you know, there's there, sometimes grief, there's this term uh, called complicated grief. And, and that's a complicated one because, yeah. uh, uh, first of all, I, I don't know how this has gone for you, but it happened very quickly for me. It, it came a lot sooner. Yeah. The, the loss of victory in golf over my son came a lot sooner than I, I anticipated. So yeah. I was, really wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And so, um, because I, I sometimes will teach anger management, and um, as we know, those who oh, I've been on the can't golf course. do teach. I've been on the golf course with you. I've um, seen you so in action. It, it it has cost me a little money in replacing <laughs> the shafts of my clubs, um, but uh, but it is something that we can overcome with time. That's yeah. hysterical. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, applying the, some of what we will learn here in a moment <laughs> to my yes. personal problem. But. So. Besides you and Brody lamenting the fact that you've got grief over your golf game, tell us a little bit about what's going on in the Shad family right now. What, what's the pandemic looking like for you guys? Well, uh, we feel very, very blessed that that none of us are dealing with the virus uh, specifically, which is really good. I'm grateful that my, my daughter did come home from her uh, study abroad experience, which was really tough. She was supposed to be in the Netherlands for five months. She ended up being there for two. Mm -hmm. And so instead of uh, 
dancing among the blossoming tulips everywhere and cruising Europe on the weekends. She's hanging out at home with mom and dad. So um, she feels really blessed in that whole thing. Uh, but but everybody's doing pretty well so far, and and we're trying to do a good job of respecting the the uh, requests of society on that. Very good. Yeah. So as we jump into this topic, I just feel like you you kind of hit on something with even with your daughter. Like there is grief all over the place. Uh, I know for me, one of the first times it hit me was my first trip to the grocery store hmm. post pandemic, where they're applying some of these social distancing rules and just seeing the cashier look at me and look afraid. Yeah. And I, I actually got teary looking at her, feeling compassion for her and realizing this small errand drastically changed. And it was my first window into the fact that like, oh, I've got some large emotions here mm -hmm. over something. And I just wondered if maybe where to first start off is just talk about like, what is grief? Help yeah. us get maybe a good definition for that. Yeah, I appreciate that because, you know, the story you're sharing is something that we wouldn't necessarily think that grief would be involved with, right? And and, and so grief really in, in a broad sense of, of the word, it's the, the emotion uh, that we experience when we have uh, perceived a loss. So when we've had a loss in our lives, we often think of grief as is what happens after a loved one dies. And, and that's true, it is. Um, but, but grief can be uh, the, the, what, what happens after any loss, whether it's a small loss or a big loss. And sometimes we have grief over things that we don't realize that we've lost or that, you know, there's something about it's like going to the store where you go, you didn't realize that an exchange with somebody at the grocery store was meaningful to you or that how they looked at you was meaningful to you until you lose that or it changes. Yeah. And you go, wait a second, I think, I think something's different and I'm not sure I like it. And so we can have grief with, with losses that we didn't realize would be losses. Yeah. Do you feel like in that sense, like naming them or even when you have a, even a small experience, that's such a micro experience of grief compared to some of the huge losses that we're also experiencing. Do you think there, that that is a window for us to be like looking into when we have those small experiences that it gives us an opportunity? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I think noticing losses can be really helpful and being able to name them. I, I also think of grief as being the healing process after a loss. Yeah. And so when I think of, like, in, just in my mind, if somebody says, hey, I, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of grief, and I tend to translate that to I'm in a process after a loss of healing from it. Huh. And so the, the injury we experience is the loss, and grief is is what we go through to heal. And so that's why when we have a loss, soon after the loss, it feels very intense. And maybe that, that feeling is very strong. It's very sometimes overwhelming. There are many feelings with it, most of them not pleasant. We don't like it, it's, it's painful. But then over time, the intensity gets smaller and the frequency that, that we consider the loss 
gets gets spread out a little bit. But it may not mean that the loss is any less significant. And so the loss may still be very significant. But as we can see, the grief process allows the intensity of the injury and the pain to heal. So we're healing from the injury the loss created. Yeah. Even though the loss may still be significant. I'm wondering, Greg, is there a parallel? I mean, you were obviously a great athlete. Uh, is there Clearly. a is there a <laughs> is there a parallel to like an athlete that experiences a physical injury and the amount of time it takes to heal from that injury? Is there a parallel between that and grief being a healing process from an emotional injury? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like that analogy, Brody. I think And in the same way, like for an athlete, let's say an athlete pulls a hamstring and and they so they can't run for a period of time. They have to um, focus on that more. It's it's significant. It's more painful. It causes a bigger disruption early on. And then as the healing process goes, then they kind of reorganize around what that injury meant right Mm -hmm. yeah and so uh in the same way we can grieve where initially it can be very that the injury is very significant and then over time we're we're trying to reorganize to figure out what this meant and how do we do life in light of the loss Mm -hmm. just like an uh, an injured athlete might have to say how do i how do i continue with my sport in light of that injury, mm. you know, and so it affects our function as well as our feelings mm. and as, as does grief. Yeah. And the other thing about an injury, like a hamstring, you can't make it heal faster. Yeah. And, and this is one of the things athletes can't stand, right? Yeah. I'm in great shape. I'm taking all these supplements. Some of them are legal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, so that I heal faster. You go, well, you can't really heal faster. You can make it go slower, mm-hmm. you know. We can disrupt the healing process to yeah. make it take longer, but we can't make it go faster. And that that's with grief also. We can do things that are disruptive to it that make it take longer, just, but we can't make it go faster. I'm wondering if you could say something more about that. Like what are some examples of how a person might interrupt the healing process of grief mm-hmm. by doing something that that causes more problems or extends the grieving time. Yeah, I think, and I think, Andrea, you touched on this uh, earlier in terms of if we recognize that there's a loss, is it helpful to acknowledge it? And and so uh, it it is. It's very helpful to acknowledge it. It's helpful to name it. It's helpful to identify what it has affected, what the loss has affected. And sometimes we, we I say, oh, well, um, like, especially right now with this coronavirus thing, well, I feel bad that I'm complaining or about a loss that something really good when other people are struggling. Mm. You know, we can acknowledge that other people are having struggles. And yet maybe what we lost was the opportunity for a good thing. Mm. Right. Like my daughter being able to study abroad longer mm-hmm. is a good thing. And you go, wow, you know, should she experience grief from that loss? And like, that seems kind of spoiled, right? Mm-hmm. You go, no, it's a loss. And so one of the ways that we can make it take longer in our grief for the healing, right, 
is if we're not acknowledging it, we're kind of pretending that it, it doesn't matter or that it's small. And, and so we're not able to process through and kind of work through the meaning of the loss. And therefore, we're not able to reorganize around the fact of the loss as well. So it takes longer if we deny it. So talking about it is helpful. And sometimes we have to manage that, you know, not talk about it all the time. Yeah. But, but to acknowledge it and acknowledge what the loss affected, um, that helps the process to continue. Not acknowledging it tends to make it slower. It takes longer. Another thing is just distracting. You know, sometimes I'll tell people that are going through grief, I'm like, I know it's really hard. It's like walking through the woods. And you're walking through this really dense woods and there's brush and you're kind of having to fight through each day, walking through this really difficult, um, thick woods. And there's a clearing, right, just a few feet to the left. And and we can get into the clearing, you know, by drinking alcohol, by, by doing things that, that take the emotional struggle we're having and artificially reduce it. Yeah. And, and so that's why drugs and alcohol and are, are something that's going to prolong it. Because what happens is we can go out there, we can, we can drink and take that edge off of whatever people say, and it makes it easier to, to manage the feelings that were so intense in walking through the woods. But when, when we sober up, we come back to where we left the woods. Yeah. And He's so like, we still have the same length of journey mm -hmm. through that really hard stuff. And so what might take a year or a year and a half now has taken a lot longer in terms of healing from the injury the loss because we keep leaving yeah. our process artificially. Yeah, boy, and I feel like we are wrought with things right now to distract us, even just getting numbed on social media or uh, even the news. I feel like it's got this weird um, where it actually increases some of our grief, but also maybe is a bit of a number. Like if I just keep reading this, I don't have to deal with maybe what's in front of me right now. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It can take, kind of take us away from real life Yeah, a bit. Like it's a, it's a diversion. And, and, and I don't think all diversions or distractions are bad. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm experiencing a lot of grief, but if I'm engaged with my work or if I'm engaged with this, I, I kind of can escape it a little bit. You know, it's not quite that present. It's not like in my face the whole time. You go, yeah, th it doesn't mean those things are bad. Those things are actually pretty helpful if they are healthy. Mm -hmm. It's when they're not healthy and we're kind of using them to, um, for the purpose of avoiding the pain. I, I kind of tend to see those things as like putting a cast on your arm. And over time, when we take that cast off, we take that cast off in four weeks or six weeks, our arm's small, it atrophies. It's because we're not using the muscles to support the arm. The cast is supporting the arm. And so when we use those things as distractions to artificially help us to feel better, um, not just the distractions from engaging in our life in a healthy way, but when we take artificial measures, uh, it's like putting a cast on and the, the emotional muscles that we need to carry that weight then 
atrophy and it makes it feel harder or strong or, or more difficult to carry. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, I feel like the other thing I'm noticing right now is just this, we're dealing with current grief and even like forward looking grief because we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what next week is bringing. Yeah. When is this going to end? This anticipatory. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That anticipatory grief and, and, you know, grief kind of can turn into fear when we're fearing, <clears throat> you know, it, it, Sometimes we, we realize that we've, we have a lot, you know, we have a lot that we value. And um, when that is put at risk, and we can, we can kind of anticipate that, oh, maybe this will go or maybe that will go. And so we can almost grieve early when we don't need to. It's generally mm. not helpful. Mm. It can be helpful to acknowledge what we're grateful for. And as a person of faith, it can be helpful to acknowledge that, you know what, we're not in control. And, you know, um, we're not in control of this. And we're kind of at the mercy of mm, lots of things. Yeah. Lot, there's lots of things way outside of our control. And that kind of leads us to feeling this pretty intense risk, especially if they're things that we hold dear. And so... It's usually not, it's helpful to recognize those things. And if I'm feeling afraid to offer that to God, you know, I, I've talked with a lot of people recently who go, yeah, I don't, you know, this whole idea that we could possibly have the virus, have it be asymptomatic, and two weeks later, we're sick, but I may be carrying the virus right now. Mm. And that's really, that's really scary. And so we said, I don't know what's going to happen in a week or two. And you know what? We never did. Yeah, uh, we didn't before the virus. <laughs> it's just this brings that reality uh, very close, and oh. and so I think it does push on our our willingness even to trust God with our tomorrows. I'm wondering if you would say a little bit more about that. And you know, you've you have helped people in a clinical setting, but you've also um, in ministry settings helped people. What, what does God say to us about grief? What and maybe even use your imagination. How mm. does how does God uh, meet us when we find ourselves overwhelmed with grief, or like Andrea was just talking about this anticipatory uh, fear or dread or, or what have you? Say something about that. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's um, I think I love C.S. Lewis talking about grief uh, after he lost his wife. Just kind of acknowledging that when we have a loss that's significant. It's also a representation of how deeply we loved. And, and so God built us to be relational beings. And, and we tend in our, in our flesh, in our sinfulness, we tend to turn that into transactions, right? Mm. So I'm going to give you this and you're going to give me that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you and you're going to love me back. And so we, we, we kind of turn the relational component of who we are into trading and transacting. But at the base of it, it's, it's very relational, and, and that's why there are things that are important to us, because we value the relationship and the relationships that we have, not only with people, but with the stuff around us. And that's, that's not all bad. I don't think that's all selfish or all flesh. I think that's a part of how God built us, that we have relationships. And, and so when they are threatened and when there's this potential to have them go away, we can feel pretty desperate. And, and um, I think the good thing is that 
that God is not a God who is distant. He is a God who is here. Mm. Yeah. And, and he's relational. We're relational because we're built in his image, right? And, and that great relationship, he gives us reassurance that the things here on this earth are, they're the shadow. They're not the reality. And the reality is with him and that he makes all things new kind of thing. There's so much in scripture that kind of talks about how with him and in him, there is the reality. And so it takes us down kind of a philosophical, theological trail, but in, in many kind of practical ways, I think it's important because then what we're able to do is to trust him. You know, one of the things that's kind of fascinating to me in that we're, we're made in God's image and, and so we reflect certain characteristics of God, like being relational, like being loving beings, like our sense of justice. These are ways in which we reflect being made in God's image. There are ways in which we don't reflect being made in God's image. And one of those we experience, especially right now with the coronavirus, which is we are not beyond time, right? We, we, we exist in this incredibly, incredibly narrow piece of time called right now. Mm -hmm. And so grief is often about the loss we had and the loss that happened in the rearview mirror. Anxiety is about the fear of the loss looking through the front windshield. Anxiety is almost always about the future. What if? What if this mm -hmm. happens? What if that happens? And so with that anticipatory fear, there's often an anxiety with that, right? But trusting that God will not ever tell us what's going to happen an hour from now or a day from now or a year from now or 10 years from now. He, he won't ever give us that information. If you read all through scripture, he may give us a prophecy that someday, you know, someday in the future, this will happen or this will come to pass. But he doesn't say tomorrow, this is exactly what's going to go down. Because we need to trust him for that. We need to be reliant upon him. And that's the safest, best, most loving place we can be. You see, if we had the knowledge of the future, we would be able to pretend that we are the God of it. And God says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really yeah. limit that because it's not good for you. It's not healthy. So it's not healthy for us to know what's going to happen in the future. Um, but that's a part of our trusting God. It's way we're different from God. But it's his invitation to trust him yeah. with it. That's so good. I I find that so so helpful to think about just our relationship as like what is God and who he is and that he is outside of time. He does have our I mean the past, present, and future. Yeah. And as a human being, I have right now. So where where should I throw my energy? In in yeah. yesterday or in tomorrow or maybe this moment? Like yeah that freedom, like honestly, right that we have right now. Yeah. If we can keep to our job and not take over the job of God's, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think about that, like, in, in the sense of, like, the anxiety, right, where, you know, well, I'm worried about what ifs. I'm worried about the what ifs. What if this happens? What if I get this? Or what if this happens financially? Or what if that? And so it's okay to plan, to be planful. You know, the Lord says, hey, you, you plan and I'll I'll – I'll 
carry your steps, right? You know, you, you can plan it, but then it's going to happen according to, you know, what I allow. And, um, and, and so the sense of like, so we can live really right now. And, and a part of why anxiety is so troubling in these times is because what we're doing is we're imagining a week or two weeks or a year out. And, and guess what? We don't exist there. Yeah. And, and the fascinating thing about that is the Holy Spirit isn't with us there in our imagination of the terrible thing. The Holy Spirit's with us right now. And so when God says, I am with you, even to the end of the age, he's saying, I will be with you every moment of your now. And so when we're feeling very desperate and very afraid and very vulnerable, it's because we're running ahead in our mind, running ahead of the Holy Spirit who's with us right now. So we get comfort right now yeah. if we stay in our moment with the Holy Spirit. I love that. I am with you in your every right now. Yeah. That's worth repeating. That's great. Boy, that was a great conversation mm. with Greg Shad today. Yeah. I just felt like he delivered me some hope and helping name something that is happening worldwide in that grief is a response to loss. So we are all experiencing losses right now. Mm -hmm. And I especially liked his analogy when he was talking about that when we are in grief, that it is a healing process. And that it just takes time. And sometimes it feels like we're just slogging away, like we're it's uphill both ways. Like we're, I think he used the analogy of like walking through a dense forest. And I mean, Andrea, you've got a social work background. You were a social worker before you came to work here at the church. Uh, how did that resonate with you? Yeah, it sure does. And sometimes that can even feel like the next step ahead of me is way too hard. And depending on where you're at, on um, how you're processing things right now in your world, we just wanted to throw out a couple resources for you as we're, as we're um, kind of wrapping this up. And one of them is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, their website is NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org. And they're a great place to just start if you're not sure where to go in uh, dealing with some overwhelming grief. Yeah. And if you are somebody that is local to the Columbus area, I'd love to help you get connected to some of the resources available in our church. If you would send an email to podcasts at UALC.org, then we will make sure to help you get connected to some resources if you are local to the Columbus area. Yeah. And I hope this conversation today felt like maybe just a small clearing in that woods for you to take a little inventory of where you're at and provide some rest and relief for your day and just remind you that Christ is with you and that he is here in the present moment delivering you peace, that he will never leave you or forsake you. And it, as Greg said, that releases us from looking through the rearview mirror, resting um, from our past, and even uh, releasing us from looking too far forward in, in the, and get ahead of him to just rest today in the moment of Christ. Special thanks to our guest, Greg Shad. We are looking forward to hearing more from him in our next episode. Also, thanks to Steve Gill, our sound engineer. We look forward to continuing this conversation on grief in our next episode. 
We hope that you'll stick around and we'll see you then.